The Old Testament reading this morning is taken from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, your ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. And our New Testament reading is taken from the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Nikki. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. And we ask that you would come and refine and shape us by your word. We ask that Jesus would be honoured and lifted high as I speak and in our lives. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago, I found myself locked out of my house in central London, in my pyjamas, in the cold, and without my phone. How did I get there? The problem was that I was multitasking. Is anyone else here a terrible multitasker? I'd been doing some um, administration and uh, I decided to take out the bins. Sounds simple enough. But for some reason, half of my mind was still sort of on what I'd been doing before, the admin task. And so as I was taking the bins out, I had one of those horrible sort of slow motion moments as I pulled the door shut and could feel the momentum of the door and sort of realized halfway as it was shutting what I was about to do. And uh, I heard the door click and I knew that I was now locked out of my house um, in the cold, in my pajamas and with no phone. And um, in the end, Jack, um, our amazing operations director, um, got a very confusing phone call from me from my neighbor's house uh, where I'd had to go and beg for mercy. And he very kindly cycled over from Pimlico to let me back into my house. Uh, but I realized in that moment uh, the cost of divided attention. And uh, in the sixth beatitude, uh, Jesus teaches us about the benefits of undivided attention, and specifically the benefits of an undivided heart. So he says, blessed are the pure in heart, or the focused in heart might be another way of putting it, for they will see God. And that's why the title for today's message is Purity 
a desirable heart condition. Purity, a desirable heart condition. And Psalm 24 sets out kind of three steps to having a pure heart. And I'm praying that God, by his spirit, will be pleased to enable all of us to take those steps today. So step one to having a pure heart is submitting to God as creator. Submitting to God as creator. So in verse one, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Why does this writer start with submitting to God as creator? He starts here because he wants to make sure that the worshippers attending temple give to God the worship that is uniquely due to him. And so he starts with God's USP, as it were, um, against all the other gods of the ancient Near East at that time. And that USP is that unlike all the other gods that are fighting with each other for glory and fame, this God actually created the universe and therefore has sovereign rights over the whole of creation. It's a bit like if I was to meet the queen, but imagine if I rocked up to Buckingham Palace and upon meeting Her Majesty, I didn't bow, I didn't show any respect, and I just sort of said, oh, hello, who are you and where's the coffee? It would be totally and utterly improper, wouldn't it? And in a similar way, the writer of this psalm says, when we come before the living God, we need to remember that we owe our very existence and life to his grace and good pleasure. And there's a humility that comes with being grounded in that truth. If you're here and you're exploring Christianity, Christianity teaches that you're not here by accident, that God created you, and that you were made to thrive and to flourish in relationship with God. A bit like a car is designed to, um, to run on fuel. But you were made for relationship with God. For those who would consider themselves to be Christians, uh, this is teaching that everything, uh, where you were born, um, your opportunities and privileges, your successes and connections, your money and your time, all of these things were not ultimately, in the last analysis, earned or possessed by you at all. They were given to you by God. And the first step of purity of heart in this psalm is to submit everything you are and everything you own to God as creator. And actually, this is the way to live with real joy as well, because if you think your achievements and successes are down to your intelligence, your drive, and your wit primarily, it's a recipe for arrogance, pride, and insecurity. But if you say, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, if you submit to God as creator and submit to the truth that you only have these things because of him, it actually sets you free to be incredibly generous, to be incredibly kind, and you're actually taking that first step to having a pure heart. But how might God be calling you to submit to him as creator today? It might be in the whole area 
of your time to say, actually, I'm going to spend less time working and more time with my family. Maybe for you, submitting to God as creator is about saying, actually, I, I need to remember God is in control and therefore the world is not going to stop if I do a bit less. It might be about saying, actually, I'm going to prioritize being with God's people. You know, in terms of functioning how he's created us to in community with others, coming to church every week rather than occasionally, getting yourself connected to community here. And if you'd like to do that, do come and speak to me after the service. I'd absolutely love to help you get connected here. But another way we can submit to God as creator is to trust him with our money as well, to be generous and to give to God first rather than last or what's left over. But how is God calling you to submit to him as creator today? So the first step to having a pure heart is submitting to God as creator. The second step to having a pure heart in Psalm 24, is honouring God's holiness. Honouring God's holiness. So in verse 3, the psalmist asks, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? And it is a mark of a lot of confusion in the church when it loses its ability to ask and to feel the force of that question in verse 3. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Of the Lord. And there are even some who brazenly say, against the clear witness of Scripture, that all people will be saved, and in so doing, make a mockery of God's holiness. However, a sign that we are beginning to make that second step to having a pure heart is that we see the powerful legitimacy and pressing force of that question in verse 3. And that we say, given how good and holy and perfect God is, how, who could ever hope to approach him in their own name and their own strength? And it's why the only appropriate response to this beatitude of Jesus, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, I think, is to fall on our faces before him and to acknowledge just how far we fall short in this. Because the second step to having a pure heart is honouring God's holiness. But let's dig into this a bit deeper. What does Jesus actually mean by that phrase, pure in heart? What's he getting at there? Purity of heart refers to two things, really. It refers to inner moral purity, but it also refers to having a kind of undivided heart. And those things go together, don't they? The person who seeks first the, the, the kingdom of God, Matthew chapter 6, is also the person who will be inwardly pure. As one commentator put it, inward sham, deceit, and moral filth cannot coexist with sincere devotion to Christ. And so purity of heart is essentially about integrity. It's about being the same person in every situation. And Psalm 24 verse 6 says, those with pure hearts don't swear deceitfully. I think that's a more accurate translation than the one we heard. Those with pure hearts don't swear deceitfully. We can take that to mean that living truthfully and openly 
is the essence of purity of, of heart. It's about not having mixed motives, not having any guile or being sort of tricksy in our relationships with God or other people. And gosh, that's challenging, isn't it? I mean, where, where I wonder, is God calling you and I to honour his holiness in that way? It could be that it's in this whole area of truth-telling. Maybe God is calling you to live more honestly. It could be in a work situation or with your friends and to just say, I'm not, actually, I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm not going to conform with behaviour that I know is wrong. It could be that honouring God's holiness for you is about saying no to gossip and withdrawing from the conversation when it goes in that direction. I heard someone say recently, and I think this is very helpful uh, for any of us really, in the workplace or in our relationships, that you build loyalty with people inside the room by how you speak about people outside the room. You build loyalty with people inside the room by how you speak about people outside the room. I think that is so true. Um, Have you ever spoken with someone and sort of thought to yourself, if that's how they talk about someone when they're not here, then how do they talk about me when I'm not in the room? Maybe I'm just paranoid, but it breeds distrust, doesn't it? And purity of heart, however, is kind and straightforward and honest, almost to a fault in the eyes of the world. And in workplaces and families that are full of big personalities, office politics and gossip, I want to be realistic. And I don't want to pretend that any of this is easy, but it does matter to God. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has what? Clean hands and a pure heart. And the second step to having a pure heart is honouring God's holiness. The good news, though, is that God doesn't call us to live this way alone or in our own strength. He comes to help us. And that leads into the final step to having a pure heart receiving the king, receiving the king. So verses eight to nine, it says, lift up your heads, you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. I don't know if you noticed, but this psalm begins by asking, who can ascend God's mountain, and that is a crucial question when it comes to approaching God in the right way, but it finishes by announcing that actually the king has come to us. Ultimately, it points to Jesus' descent from his father's throne to die on the cross for our redemption, and where he cried out those words, didn't he? It is finished. In Jesus Christ, God has provided a way for unholy people to stand in his holy presence and to see him and to enjoy him forever. And so if you're listening to me, and this whole talk of being pure in heart just sounds exhausting, unrealistic, and frankly impossible, there is such good news for you because Jesus Christ said, that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. 
He is not a harsh drill master frowning at us over the edge of the clouds and shouting, try harder. No, Jesus is the good shepherd who says, follow me and you will find rest for your souls. Receive me and I will show you how to live. Because when Jesus comes into your life, he gives you the power to live for him. He doesn't expect you to sort of grit your teeth and muster up the power in your own strength. No, he gives you the power by his spirit to put to death all of the grot and all of the mess and to live a life filled with his joy and his presence. And you can actually invite him and ask him to come and do that. Receive the power to live with purity before him. Receive maybe healing from past shame and past mistakes. Receive the encouragement that only your heavenly father can give to you. And then you can step forward in his strength to live for him. As it says in that great hymn, it says, he breaks the power of cancelled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. And that's what God holds out to us this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the blessing you pronounce on those who are pure in heart. And we ask you to come and do that work in our hearts now. And thank you that because of the blood of Jesus, we can approach you with confidence and joy and expectation. Thank you that you don't expect us to follow you, to be pure in our own strength, but that you pour out your Holy Spirit in our hearts. And so we invite you to come and do that again. In Jesus' name, amen.